0: It makes me think of where's wall though. It does. Anybody else? Oh. Thank you. Yes. Oh. Alright, so I'm gonna pray for Pastor Anthony and the Titanics if you want to come up. Alright, pray with me one more time. Lord, we just thank you so much for tonight, for the gift uh, that we have to come and worship you, to hear from you, to hear the truth in your word. I just thank you so much that you've anointed Pastor Anthony to bring the truth to us in an interesting, deep, revelatory way. So we just bless Pastor Anthony as he speaks. May his words, may your words uh, flow through him uh, and bring profound changes in our lives. Our hearts are ready for it, and we're excited to hear from you. And I also pray for the tithes and offerings that you'll bless this church. Um, Yeah, God, you've got good plans for this church, and you've got good plans for everyone in it. So we just thank you uh, for the generous hearts and for the blessings that you give. To each person individually and to the church as a whole. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Shimra. Just a couple things before I get started. Uh, One, that is my amazing daughter downstairs yowling. I believe that's a (laughs) yowl, so I apologize for that. Two, I love that slide. Who made that? That is astoundingly awesome. That was two. And number three, the third thing I wanted to say is I just got a text from the amazing Kathy Spaulding. Does anybody know Kathy Spaulding? She's awesome. And she's like, please announce the ladies' tea that's coming up. And behold, it is in your bulletin. So if you get a bulletin, it is in there. And it is going to be a good time because Kathy Spaulding is amazing. Everyone say hi, Elise. Hi, Elise. All right. Obviously, Elise needs to hear this message. i being emotionally healthy. She's having a hard time dealing with it? I'm sorry. Okay. So what's going on? Emotionally healthy community. That doesn't sound like any fun at all, or maybe it does sound like fun to you. Here's what's up. We are reading a book as a staff called The Emotionally Healthy Church by this guy, Peter Scazzaro. Now, Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Mark both read another book of his in seminary, and they both just gave this guy glowing reviews, right? And so they read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I think, and he also wrote this one so we decided, let's read it as a staff. I'm a couple chapters in. And we're going to base eight weeks on the principles in this book. Okay? Eight weeks. So you might get the impression that the pastors think there's something deeply wrong with the church. If there's... No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be a great topic. This message, really, if it had a title, it would just be Intro. Okay, and the purpose of this message is to get us all going, oh, yeah, I'm kind of dysfunctional that way. Oh, yeah, I'm kind of dysfunctional that way, too, and hopefully encourage us all that we have areas in which we can level up. All right, the purpose of this intro is not to make anyone feel like a loser because they have emotional unhealth or something like that. That's just silly. As I was thinking about this message, I realized that when we play games, and I do like to play the occasional video game, I don't like hard video games. I like Diablo, where you just beat up on demons, and then it's, it's fun. You know, we like it when we level up in games, right? It's good to level up. Not once have I ever leveled up in any game since I was eight years old until now and been bummed out, because leveling up meant I wasn't already at max level. And yet we treat life this way, Right? Stop it. Be excited. If some ways are revealed to you tonight that you can level up, that should actually be exciting because leveling up can happen and it is fun. Alright, if I had to title this message something other than intro, it would be this. Blank. No, why is it blank? (laughs) Here we go. We aren't called to spiritual maturity. You read that right. We are not called spiritual maturity. Sorry for the confusion. It's caused a lot of problems. Let me explain. This word maturity in the New Testament, you know we're going to a definition right here. To be mature, brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing necessary for completeness, perfect, that which is perfect, a consummate human integrity and virtue, and of men, It means full-grown, adult, of full age, and mature. Say, grown up. Grown up. That's right. So to be mature is to be grown up, fully formed, lacking nothing, complete, but grown up works. You are not called to be spiritually mature. I looked up in Bible Gateway. I know, not Blue Letter Bible. I'm branching out. It's easier to copy-paste from there, to tell you the truth. BibleGateway.com. And. I looked up the word mature to make sure I wasn't out of my mind. And nine New Testament references came up with the word mature. And I read them all and I thought, my goodness, this makes my point. I am going to read all nine New Testament verses that have this word mature. Here we go. And we will notice a theme. Are you ready? Number one, Luke eight fourteen. Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. And they say, what about this seed that grew up and then got choked? And Jesus said... The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way through life, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Moving on. 1 Corinthians 2.6, Paul's explaining the wisdom of the gospel. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. You may already be picking up on my trend. but let's move on. Ephesians 4, 12b to 13. Paul again. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does maturity look like? It looks like the whole measure of the person of Jesus. Let's move on to Ephesians 4, 15. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Jesus, in every respect. Philippians three fifteen. How many of us? All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. All of us who are mature. It sounds almost like all of us are supposed to be mature in every respect. It's crazy. Moving on. Colossians 128. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature. I knew it in Christ. Who's supposed to mature into the, whole, well, the wholeness of Jesus Christ? Everyone. everyone. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Moving on. Colossians 4.15. Paul says... Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. Why, Epaphras? Well, he tells us that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. we got a couple more. We're moving quick. Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And lastly in James 1.14. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So some of you may be picking up what I have been daintily throwing down. (laughs) We are not called to spiritual maturity. Many of us as Christians think that the call is to be spiritually mature. And I think this has caused a lot of issues. And it's enabled us to create some issues for ourselves that we're going to talk about in a minute. You are not called to that. We are called to total maturity, not just spiritual maturity. I think to grow up into the fullness of Jesus Christ probably needs to be relationally mature, certainly emotionally mature. How about physically mature, even intellectually mature, able to think logical thoughts and make sense in every aspect. And is that for just some of us? It's for everybody. So, we're not that. <laughs> Many of us, in interesting ways. I, uh, I dare say, it's a funny thing. Like, if you ask a pastor, like, would you like to pastor a church full of terribly unhealthy emotional people? And they would probably say no. And then if you ask them, are you healthy and mature yourself? And they would say Working on it. You know, can we talk about something spiritual? I know a lot about the Bible. No, this affects everybody people in ministry, people not in the ministry. It it doesn't matter. We're all called to be mature in every way. My slides are goofy. I apologize, guys. This is a quote from Peter Schizero in his book The sad truth is that too little difference exists in terms of emotional and relational maturity between God's people inside the church and those outside who claim no relationship to Jesus Christ. But when you go beyond the praise and worship of our large meetings and conventions and into the homes and small group meetings of God's people, you often find a valley littered by broken and failed relationships. This is true. Has anybody been in church for longer than five years? Okay, excellent. Have you guys found this to be the case? You can admit it. All right. We need to grow up in every way, not just in spiritual ways, whatever the heck that even means, okay? Because we get to define it for ourselves, and that's part of the problem. We're going to focus for eight weeks on growing up. We're going to call it emotional maturity, but really, he's talking about relationships. He's talking about how we deal with our emotions, and he's talking about the motivations of our hearts. I think that it's the way we deal with our emotions and the way we deal with our motivations that cause the downfall of many relationships. I think that if we could get a handle on our emotions, and when I say motivations, I mean the whys that drive us. A lot of times we don't consider why we do what we do, but those motivations are very important, and they exist whether we're willing to look at them or not. So we can either handle our emotions and motivations, or we can deal with them unhealthily. I'm going to give give you three unhealthy ways to deal with emotions that hopefully are a little bit entertaining, and hopefully we can also find ourselves in these. Does that sound good? Yes, awesome. I think the first one is the pastor's problem. If you want to know how most pastors are emotionally unhealthy, this is it. Cat's out of the bag. Here we go. What do you do with these emotions and motivations of your heart? Do you look at them and deal with them in a healthy way? No. We just dig a big hole and we throw them in there. <laughs> because I've got better things to do. I read this awesome commentary. I have three worship services to lead. I just had this amazing insight about the Greek of, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. There's all kinds of spiritual things we can talk about. These emotions and these deep heart motivations. Who's got time for that, right? They go in here. I don't want to look at them, and I sure don't want you guys looking at them, right? Because I'm not sure what's going on there, so I don't want you guys scrutinizing me. The problem is they don't go away. And when you throw emotions and motivations down in a deep, dark hole, they get unhappy. They don't like not being paid attention to. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but I've, I've dabbled in some YouTube videos about the shadows. Anybody, like, young and the shadow? Like, the things that you send down into that dark place that you just don't want to look at, it gets, it gets bad down there. Okay, things change. They get gnarly. You don't want to do that. So logically, what do we do when we have unruly emotions and motivations in a hole and they want to climb out? You put a rock on it, (laughs) right? You you put lots of rocks on it, actually, and and we start layering rocks on the hole because they get grumpy and they want to come out of there. And you know, we say things like, "Well, I'm spiritually mature." You know, it's okay. Maybe I don't have these emotions and these motivations figured out. But my goodness, look at all these rocks I've got on the hole. I sound real spiritual when you ask me how my week was. I'm going to tell you that the spirit was engaging with me, and I was feeling the anointing (laughs) went through my day, and all these things. I will say the right words. You know what I mean? Because I don't want you thinking there's stuff stuck down in a hole. That's crazy. Look how spiritually mature I am, right? And then I'll also do things for you to see that look spiritual because remember i don't want to look at the stuff in the hole but i don't want you knowing there's a hole that i've buried stuff in either so i'm going to do extra visible service i'm going to be at the church early cleaning up okay i'm going to do extra visible prayer I could pray in private, but that doesn't help me put a rock on the hole. I need you to see me pray so that you know how spiritually mature I am, okay? And not only that, but I'm also going to do extra visible worship. I could worship at home or in the car, but then you don't see it. And how will you know, guys, how spiritually mature I am if you don't see it? And if you ever want to talk to me about something and I can't tell you how busy I am doing spiritual things so I don't have time, if I'm absolutely cornered. You best be sure. I've studied the Bible enough to be able to quote the Bible of you and make sure that in any conversation I know the most. And that way, you won't know that I've got a bunch of rocks on a hole covering up my emotional and motivational unhealth. And when all else fails, pull out all the stops, those things are wanting to push all the rocks off. You can barely keep it down. What do you do? Your secret's about to pop out. There's a solution. Fear not always minister to other people, okay? And this person will say minister as well. They won't say take care of other people. They'll say I minister to people because they want to sound spiritual. Rock number one, come on. And you will say, my, what a servant of the Lord. What a soldier in God's army just taking care of all these people. And oh man, you should talk to him about Hezekiah 519. He's just got these amazing insights. It's a sham, guys. Do you want a church full of these people? Man, I'll tell you what. Pastors don't want a church full of these people, and pastors are tempted to be these people. It's no good, okay? Nobody's immune. And like I said before, this is a bad plan. Because whatever you stuff down in that dark hole becomes unruly, and they come for you. The time is going to be up, and those things are getting out. H.P. Lovecraft fans, anybody? Come on, amen. I see those hands. Yes, yes, my friends, my family. I read a story by H.P. Lovecraft back in the day called Herbert West Reanimator. It's incredibly unchristian. I don't recommend it. But the plot of the story is this, and this relates. Hold on. This guy kills people. He becomes a murderer. He's driven crazy to reanimate them. He wants to take things out, human lives, and have them exist on his terms or not at all. And the experiments don't go well. It creates a whole army of failed monstrosities. And you know what he does? He just throws them in a hole. Just throw them in a hole. Just bury them, forget they even exist. Didn't turn out too well. Carries on with his life until the end of the story when this happens. This is the second to last paragraph. It was West who first noticed the falling plaster, oh goodness, on that part of the wall where the ancient tomb masonry had been covered up. I was going to run, but he stopped me. Then I saw a small black aperture, felt a ghoulish wind of ice, and smelled the charnel bowels of a putrescent earth. Lovecraft for the wind. There was no sound, but just then the electric lights went out and I saw outlined against some phosphorescence of the netherworld a horde of silent, toiling things, which only insanity or worse could create. Their outlines were human, semi-human, fractionally human, and not human at all. The horde was grotesquely heterogeneous. They were removing the stones, quietly, one by one, from the centuried wall. And then, as the breach became large enough, they came out into the laboratory in single file. A sort of mad-eyed monstrosity behind the leader, seized on Herbert West. West did not resist or utter a sound, and then they all sprang at him and tore him to pieces before my eyes, burying the fragments away into that subterranean vault of fabulous abominations. He wrote science fiction, but he said more than he knew he said often. If, and this is the serious part of the message in case you didn't get that part, if we insist on a lifetime of stuffing down our emotions and our motivations, anything we deem ugly, unpleasant, or just not worth our time, Mm -hmm. they become monstrous over time. They don't get solved. Mm -hmm. And the day will come when they pull the stones down and come through the wall in one way or another, and they will wreck you. Mm -hmm. So we need to ask forgiveness for doing that. We need to have the courage to face what we desire to repress. Does that make sense? You guys ready for a little more comedy after that? Okay, good. Here we go. (laughs) Option two. So you're not really into repressing and not looking at it. I think that's probably the most popular technique of emotional unhealth, (laughs) most popular unhealth. I really do. But here's another one. Okay. Why, why resist them at all? You know, I mean, these emotions, they're so strong, they're so powerful. You know, they just drag you around. You ever met people that are absolutely run by their emotions and motivations and they don't even know why? And just to make it more clear, here's this picture. (laughs) The horse is their (laughs) emotions. And the dude being drugged by the horse is you. All right? These people, when they're angry, they're furious. When they're happy, they make fools of themselves. When they're sad, they cannot function. All right? Everything is at 11, right? 110% or nothing. And if you ask these people, why are you living this way? Man, you're uneven. Yesterday you were goofy. Today you're selling. The two days before that you're punching holes in walls. What is going on, man? Usually they get defensive. That's just me. You know? I'm Irish. Who wasn't <laughs> just said that? <laughs> Was that Victor Razio? You know? I'm genetically predisposed to be depressed. Leave me alone. You don't understand, Right? And so I've got some of that too. I've been there. You know, I was just talking with Leonard Duke, where's my man right there, about how much I hate melancholy, and melancholy is my default setting, right? Like I've <laughs> had to resist that my entire life, you know. But having that be present in your life and be powerfully present is not a license to let it drag you around. Amen. I really believe sometimes these people will say things like, "You don't understand. You just don't understand. You don't have my type." Of if you had my time, you'd have this. You don't understand how depressed I am. I mean, I have a, ge- I have a genetic problem. I am genetically predisposed to depression. Me too. You know, it's okay. You know, happy people, you know, we rarely complain about them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's possible to have more powerful emotions than other people. I really do. I believe that it's true that some people are more given to anger. Maybe it is genetic, I don't know, than other people. Some people just have a harder time being in a good mood. I honestly believe that. I really do. But it's making excuses for it and letting it drag you around that's the problem. Does anybody wanna hang out with someone who's being drug around in the mud by their emotions that doesn't even understand the powerful motivations of their heart or why they do anything they do? They're unpredictable, they're unstable. You cannot trust them long-term. They might be fun to hang out with for a short period of time, but these aren't the kinds of people you're gonna welcome in to a lifelong, deep, heart-to-heart friendship because they're kind of manic. Not maybe in a clinical term, but functionally. It's no good. Do we want a church full of these people? No. Not any more than we want a church full of repressors, right? So there's actually a, a, a part B to this one. I really think that people that have more powerful emotions maybe than other people, maybe they're just not that great at managing them, But I really do believe my non-professional opinion is that some people have huge, dominant emotional areas of their life, whether it's sadness or joy or depression, anger or something. Instead of getting drugged around by it, some people summon this immense power from within themselves. They have a steel spine, man, and they have this immense will, and they're like, this horse is not dragging me around. I'm going to drag this horse around, (laughs) right? So maybe you didn't know that horse carrying was a thing, but it sure is. So these people, person one, right, the repressor, he doesn't even want you to know that he's dealing with these emotions and motivations. This person doesn't care. They want the whole world to know. They're either unashamed that they're dragged around by the foot, or they want you to know that they are carrying this immense burden. How are you doing? I'm making it. You know, by sheer force of will, I survived another day, you know. And maybe you will. Hey, kudos to you. Maybe you're strong enough to do that. Not everyone is. Good for you. But you know what the long-term fruit of this is? It looks heroic, doesn't it? And you'll think it is. And that's why it will foster pride, exhaustion, and resentment. Even if you're strong enough and powerful enough to carry around this huge emotional load. If you can just wrestle your unhealth into a box and hold it there. You'll think you're pretty cool. And thinking you're pretty cool will turn into pride. It will get tiring. And suddenly you'll resent all these other weak people. Listen to me. All these other weak people that don't have to do or can't do what you're doing. So good. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's so good. I don't want to be in a church full of these people. Yeah. I'm tempted to be these people. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So, again, this is for everybody, right? We can all level up somehow. And ultimately, this is a bad plan, too. Here's a headline I found Equestrian crushed to death by her own horse. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Sad but true. Turns out, you don't want them to drag you, and you don't want to carry them. You know what's a better idea? Riding them. Where's the saddle, man? There's another way. So, that is the intro to this message. I, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. That's it. I'm leaving it right there. Here's, here's Don't clap quite yet. There's one more slide. This is what we're going to do for <laughs> the next eight weeks. All right? We're going to look at it. Okay? Take the rock off Buy a saddle if you're a horse person, okay? We're going to look at these emotions. We're going to look at the motivations of our heart. Peter Schizero goes through seven different principles. Each one is going to get a week, okay? And for Pete's sake, don't be upset if you identified with one or all three of these. We get to level up, remember? It's going to be a good time. Things can only get better from here on out, Just have the courage to look at it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Here's Shamrock to close.